I am so glad you could be here today. Today, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22, all the way to the end of the chapter. Today, we're going to talk about a very popular subject, something that our entire society loves to talk about. We're going to talk about how wives need to submit to their own husbands. And we're going to... Some, some of you dudes are not smart to amen that right there. And we're going to talk about how husbands need to sacrifice pretty much everything to please their wives. And so, to, yeah, <laughs> ladies, same thing. Stop it. You're like sabotaging yourselves. Now, if you're new here and you're not used to uh, church, we're glad you're here. We're really glad you're here for today's lesson. It's not going to be very applicable to you. What I mean by that, you say, but I'm married. But what we're talking about today is the Christian marriage. We're talking about how Christian husbands relate to Christian wives, and how Christian wives relate to Christian husbands. So if you try to use the principles that we're gonna talk about today and just add them to your life without adding Jesus, it won't work, you're gonna screw up your life. And by the way, you'd say, but I don't have Jesus. You're screwing up your life anyway. I'm telling you, Jesus came to save you, your soul, and take you to heaven and give you a new life. But the principles I'm sharing with you only relate to Christian relationships. That's it. Not seven steps on how to be a happier person. It is only for Christian couples. Wives, Christian wives, how to follow the lead of their husband, and Christian husbands, how to sacrifice everything to make her happy. We're going to talk about these things, and I'm going to hopefully be the pastor next week. All right. The sermon is entitled, Walking Together, a Guide for Marital Bliss. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I do come to you in prayer in desperate need of you. I'm in desperate need of your strength and your ability to communicate to these people. They are your flock, not mine. It is your church, not mine. Lord, I'm just one of the members that you've called to be the preacher today. Now, as I am called to do that, I know you're empowering me to do that, but I do pray that you would communicate through my words the truth of this passage. I pray that every man and woman and teenager, boy and girl that hears the sermon would understand the principles are coming from the word of God, from the Bible. I also pray for the unbeliever in the room, the non-Christian, the person who knows about Jesus but has not become a true disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. They've yet to repent and receive you as Savior. I pray that today would be an interesting thing to them, but more importantly, more than anything, they would feel the calling of the Holy Spirit to repent of their sin and receive you as Savior so they could be born again, so they could be saved. I pray this as a supernatural power upon that individual that they would be saved. And for the rest of us who are followers of yours, I pray that we would submit our will and our way to the scripture and the spirit today. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. The home, the home is supposed to be the closest thing to heaven on earth. That's the goal. In fact, that's what Ephesians chapter five insinuates. The home is to be the closest thing to heaven on earth. The problem is, for many, it feels more like the opposite place, if you know what I'm talking about. This is what the home is. We don't want to go there. We don't want to talk to that person. We don't want to talk to those people. It's like hell on earth. So how can we walk in marital bliss? How can a husband and wife actually communicate, live, love, laugh, and actually enjoy the romance that God's given them? That's what today's sermon is all about. Today, we're going to see it. It's in three parts as I look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and following. And the first part is to the wives in this room. How many ladies do we have? Give me an amen. Amen. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I'm ready. 
How many ladies do we have? Amen? Amen. A woman? I don't know. That's not a thing. Yeah, thank you. How many wives do we have here today? Any wives? Okay. Yeah, very nice. All right. All right. So this part's specifically for you. The point number one of the sermon, according to the scripture, to walk in marital bliss, number one, there's a directive to the wife. The directive to the wife is wife. What you need to do is follow his lead. Wife, follow his lead. Like a couple dancing, one is going to take the lead, and the other must follow or the dance will never make sense. Wife, follow his lead. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. In the same way you would submit to the Lord, submit to your own husband. Now notice what it does say. It says submit yourself to your own husband. Notice what it does not say. It does not say all women submit to all men. This is an improper understanding of Scripture. If you come from some kind of a twisted old school view of the Bible or some kind of a strange misogynistic worldview that called itself Christianity but was not, there's this idea that women are somehow in subjection to men. That is not a biblical principle in the slightest. What it does say within the organizational structure of the home, a wife is to submit to her own husband. Now it goes on in verse 23 and says, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. In the same way that Christ is the leader of this church, so the husband is the leader of your particular home. What kind of a church would not follow the leadership of Christ? Some might say, well, maybe there are many out there, and perhaps that's the case, but would they advertise it that way? Could you imagine a billboard over a church that said, come to our church, we don't follow Jesus? Could you imagine? Yet there are many women today who say, I'm a woman and I do not follow my husband. You advertise your rebellion against your husband and therefore you advertise your rebellion against God. No church would do that, no wife ought do that either. Pastor, I'm offended. Well, I'm sorry you're offended. Let's move on. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let their wives be to their own husbands in everything. Just as Jesus Christ, the church is subject to Christ and follows Christ, so the wife is to follow their own husband in everything. This is what it says. Now, let me be very clear. I, I spoke with my wife, Heather, about this in uh, many, many times over the last 20 years, as well as this sermon. And in preparation, this was her counsel to me. She said, Josh, too many pastors, when they get to this portion, they soft pedal the sermon for the women because they're afraid. And they preach harsh to the man because it makes them seem strong. She said, treat us equally and preach just as hard to the women as you would to the men. Now let me explain, I'm going to do that, let me explain why. Because over the last 40 years, prior to 40 years ago, men would get up and preach this passage and they would use it to subjugate women as a whole. And they would use this to berate and put women uh, in some sort of a, uh, a secondary class citizen role. And so what you've seen, if you've experienced what Heather and I have in church, what you'll see is that the man now is attempting to bring the pendulum way over here and not teach the truth of the word of God to the woman because they're afraid of coming way over here the way they were before and that is being too hard on the woman. 
Let's just be as biblical as we possibly can, do exactly what the scripture actually says, and show what the Bible says, and that is the wife is to follow the lead of her husband. Now, what does this mean, submission? What, is it, what are we actually talking about? For those of you who are here every week, you understand that I'm preaching through the Bible. That is, every single verse I talk about today is coming after the verses I talked about last week. I preach through passages. And as I'm preaching through the book of Ephesians, the last verse that we just covered is verse 21, which says that Christians are to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. The general attitude of all Christians, both male and female, is that of submission. We said last week that to be submissive does not mean docile. It doesn't mean you put your head down and I'll just be a doormat and kick me around and that's what I am. It means that you're willing not to be docile, not to not have an opinion. What it means is that you're willing to put the desires and needs of the other person first. It means that you are sacrificial. Both husbands and wives, men and women in general, are called as Christians and children to be in subjection to one another. So what is submission? Well, submission does not mean, number one here, does not mean inferior, silent, or lacking capability. This is a misunderstanding and an improper view of biblical submission. Submission does not mean inferior. What the Bible does not say is that a woman is inferior to a man or that a wife is inferior to a husband. That is a misappropriation of scripture that is given into a misogynistic culture of our past. It also does not mean silent. It doesn't mean you don't have a voice and should not share your voice. So the husband comes home and you better have his pipe and his slippers and then just say, yes, sir, and no, sir, and here's your dinner, and and, uh, we're going to sell the house and move to Barbados. Sounds good to me. You have a voice. You should use your voice. Okay. It also does not mean lacking capability. Submission doesn't mean that you don't have the ability that he has. You might have far more ability than he has in every way. What we are talking about is organizational structure that produces harmony and stability in the home. What we're talking about is organizational structure that allows for stability and structure in the home. If you, look, if you, if you want the home to run properly, there has to be a leader. And that leader must be a follower of Christ. Otherwise, this won't work. You say, but I, oh, what if, it, if you're not a follower of Christ, you're gonna just abuse the situation. If you're a follower of Christ, you're gonna be submissive to Christ and say, Christ, what do you want? And then you're gonna treat everybody that you lead well. Does this make sense? If it makes sense, give me an amen. amen. All right, so let, let's give a few examples of what I'm talking about here uh, so that we understand this. The woman, I'll show you the picture. Here's a woman, um, and you're driving down the road, and you're going slightly over the speed limit by 30 miles hour over the speed limit, and, this, and this, uh, this officer of the law pulls you over and uh, says, why did I pull you over? And you say, I'm not sure, and, but you know you're sure. You know you're sure because this happens to you quite often, and, um, and, then, and she says to you, license and registration, and then she writes you a ticket. She writes you a ticket, but you're a man, and she's a woman. And so what you say to her, because you're a Christian who's never been trained properly, you say to her, I'm a man, you're a woman, you should submit. (laughs) How is that going to work out for you? Going to work out well for you? No. 
You, you were raised in an improper thought process. You don't know the Bible. You're not representing Christ. You're being a dummy, okay? You're being a dummy, okay? That's a nice way to say you're an idiot, you're a dummy, you're a fool. Okay, stop it. So do you pay the ticket, yes or no? Yes. Some of you aren't sure. But you're a man. You're a man. Should you submit yourself to this woman and pay the ticket, yes or no? Yes. What if she's your wife? Yes. yes. So you're like, I don't know, that sounds, that's tricky. It's a trick, it's a trick. Yes, yes, why? Because it's about organizational structure for society to work. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? In this moment, you're not in the home, you're not talking about family stuff, you're not talking about children, child raising, she is your authority figure in this scenario. You submit yourself to her authority because she is the authority or society breaks down. Does this make sense? Same thing, here we go, here you are, you're in the boardroom, and you just got voted uh, and promoted to vice president of operations, and you're sitting there, and your boss, the CEO, happens to be this woman, and she gives you a directive, and you're a Christian, you're like, Pastor, should I obey this woman? The answer is, yes, yes she's your boss. For the organizational structure to work, you need to shut your mouth and submit to your superior. You say, but what if she is my wife? Do you submit? Yes, you got a job because she's your wife. So, like, don't, I, do you realize how this worked? Okay, so just be thankful that you got the job uh, because she's your wife. All right, so this is the understanding. We, we get it, we get it. Okay, so pastor, what does this mean? This means in the home, for the home to work well, you need to have a leader. God says that the leader is the husband. You say, but I think it should be. Okay, cool. We got God's opinion and yours, and you have to decide what you're going with. You say, but my favorite Hollywood star thinks, okay, great. So you've got your Instagram influencer, and then you've got God. And as a Christian, you got to kind of go with which you have to decide. I can't decide for you. You got to decide for you. Maybe your Instagram um, influencer knows more than God does about marriage. I mean, it, totally. Do you, you do you, what we've decided to do, Heather and I, we've decided as for me and my house, we're gonna go God's way and see how things work out. You go do you. First and foremost, submission does not mean inferior, silent, lacking capability. Number two, submission is only practical if it's a two-way partnership. Please, sir, don't book a coffee appointment with me and talk to me about how your wife is not submissive when you don't follow Jesus. I don't care. Now, because sometimes one-on-one, -on -one, I get a little intimidated, I'll smile at you, I'll buy your coffee, and I'll be like, oh, that's really sad. Um, have you considered, you know, maybe showing up to church more than once every six months? Maybe I won't be as, as strong as I am right now, because I'm weak. Maybe I'll say, have you considered the fact that, you know, all you ever do is, you know, rebel against your boss at work and you're just a jerk punk constantly? Have you considered the fact that you're in rebellion against every authority in your life, but you expect her to be a follower of yours? You're in rebellion against Jesus. You don't even walk with Jesus, but you're demanding that she submit? This ain't gonna work. Do you understand? Now again, sir, you're looking at me right now, you're like, well, I don't wanna be in submission of Jesus. Fantastic, go live your life. 
but don't expect the home to ever work the way it's supposed to work because it only works when it's, there's a two-way partnership on this thing. It's not going to work in a couple ways. Again, going back to verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. As you submit to God, you're going to constantly put the other person first. It, it, it's not going to work in a couple scenarios. A few things I feel the Lord wants me to say. Number one, it's not going to work if the man is not willing to lead the home. One of the issues that we face now in our society is that little boys get old and they stay little boys. They don't grow up. They've got their games or they got their guns, one or the two, and both of them think that they're superior than the other. I'm more of a man because I don't have guns. I'm more of a man because I do have guns. No, you're just a boy with toys. And what you've got to do is grow up and lead your home. You need to lead your home. One of the reasons this doesn't work is because some are unwilling to lead. One of the reasons this doesn't work is because some are unwilling to follow Christ. I already mentioned this. You're already following your own way, or you're following a political party, or you're following your favorite pundit, or you're following your favorite Instagram influencer. And I'm not talking to 13-year-old girls here. I'm talking about some dudes who, because their Instagram influencer is a talking head with a suit, that's the person you follow on every single thing you think about in life. You don't follow Christ because your mind is never in the Word of God. This isn't going to work, number three, if he's abusive. Unfortunately, there have been many Bible passages that have been bastardized by bad villains. They've been taken out of context and they've been used to oppress people. They've been used to oppress poor. They've been used to oppress, uh, oppress the slaves. They've been abused uh, to oppress uh, women. This passage has been used to do that. So an abusive man will say, if you're going to be a Jesus follower and you're my wife, you'll submit to me. Sir, you have no idea what you're talking about. Please don't take the scripture out of context. And now, please, stop calling yourself a Christian. This will not work, lastly, if you do not empower her. Say, so what do you mean empower her? What I mean by empowering your wife is some of us have such a backward view of masculinity and femininity that we think that she is supposed to be this kept woman where as long as you give her enough money and a place to live, she just is in there and she's like a flower and you get to come and visit her and smell her every once in a while. She is a capable creation of God. Listen, sir, you'll never get a Proverbs 31 woman until you become a Proverbs 31 man. Now, for those of you who don't know Jesus, and that is don't know the Bible, you're not a Bible student, you say, what's a Proverbs 31 woman? In Proverbs 31, 3,000 years ago, we have a king describing the way his mother was. And this woman was incredible. She, she started businesses, she oversaw her home, she had many, many employees, she took care of the community, she was a leader, but at the same time, she followed and loved her husband. She followed his lead in all these ways. Now, there are some men who would love to see their wives rise up to that role, but you don't do, so you'll never allow her to rise up to that role because you feel that your responsibility is to control her, put your boot down on her neck, and keep her down in subjection. This is not biblical. You'll never see her rise to her potential until you empower her to do so. Otherwise, she's going to have to rebel beyond your rebellion to God. 
And so what we're seeing today is things that don't work. Now, submission does not mean inferior, silent, lacking capability. It is not, doesn't practically work unless it's a two-way partnership. And I'm going to call to that at the very end of the sermon. At the very end of the sermon, I'm going to call you to a two-way partnership where one of you chooses to submit themselves to Christ by sacrificing everything for her. And one of you chooses to submit yourself to Christ by submitting your will to his as you follow in the home. But it has to work together or it just won't work. Number three here, thought, submission is only possible if you're willing to walk in the wisdom and in the spirit. Don't, 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 don't miss the context of this. The context is the verses that came before it, verses 15 and 18. The the scripture is saying you need to walk circumspectly, that is walk in wisdom, and as you do that, that means you're walking in the scripture as was talked about last week. Then that leads to walking in the spirit. And as you walk in the spirit and in the scripture, what will happen? What will happen is very clear in the scripture. You'll have a song in your heart, you'll have a thankful spirit, and you'll be naturally in submission to one another. So there are some people here today, you're like, man, I'd really like to do this, but it's not easy. The answer is don't buck up and try harder. The answer is walk in the scripture and walk in the spirit. Same sermon from last week. This is an extension of last week. So, wives... Follow his lead. Now, to drive home the point, I'm inviting my favorite woman that goes to this church to come up and talk at this time. Give her a round of applause. This is Heather Tice. So Josh has asked me to come and share a story from our marriage, early in our marriage, but I want to start by just talking to you, my sisters, because I know what happens. We hear stuff like this, and immediately we start thinking, oh, that's good, that's good truth, but I'm the exception. Oh, my story's different, and I've been there, and that's exactly what our enemy comes to us, and he tells us, he did it in the garden. He says, is that really what God said? He didn't mean that, not, not in your situation, and we all think, We're the exception to this rule of submission because pastor did give some exceptions, but you're not. You're not, so quit believing the lie that you are and walk in freedom. So here's my story. Um, We got married very young, as many of you know. We were only 20. We look at our wedding pictures and think, what were our parents thinking? We were kids. We were babies. And we came and served out here right after we, um, I had graduated. I finished my degree a year before him. We got married we came to intern out here at a church in town, Liberty Baptist. We were serving there, and then we were going to be returning to our college in Florida where he could finish up his final year of seminary. And I got a call when we were working at Liberty from our college. Now, they were offering me a job. They wanted me to come back and work. They didn't say what it was, but I knew what it was. I loved our college, but you have to know that the job that I knew they would be calling me to would be either records office or business office. And I didn't want to work there. Those women looked like zombies, like death warmed over. The most miserable people I'd ever seen were in the business office and the records office. And I just thought, I can't be a part of that. Um, And we began to talk about it. And I was like, that's crazy, right? You know, I got my degree. Now they're wanting me to come do this. And he said, my little 20-year-old husband with his baby face said, I think you should do that. I want you to work there. I want you to work in the ministry. And um, it kind of surprised me because we'd only been married for about a month. And I really thought when I married him, I'll have no problem with this thing submission. Because I like to please people. I've always been obedient as a kid. I've been taught proper submission. My mom, she was a great example of this. One month. And all of a sudden, I'm standing here looking at this thing, 
realizing he has no clue what he's talking about. And I'm saying that kind of joking, but kind of for real. I promise you, I'm trying to make this story short, but if I stood and took you back 20 years ago and we made our cases and laid out why I should work at the college in the ministry and why I should, in my opinion, go get a job in the real world, some practical experience, some money, all these things, you would have agreed with me. Every single one of you. I would, I'm not, I don't bet, I don't bet, but I would bet on it, okay? That's how sure I am I would win because you would agree with me. A little background to that, just to let you know how serious this decision was to me. Um, I had, my degree is in public relations and advertising, and this is actually finally a chance for me to go and use that skill and build more of that skill, which would help us in church planning. I could get better at designing stuff, doing this stuff. So I was like, okay, a chance to build my skill. Also, money. I had never been poor, and I didn't want to be poor. And I'd heard that sometimes when you start a church, you're poor. And I thought, this is a chance for me to work in the real world, make some money, and support our ministry. See? I see you nodding. You know. Yes. And then another fact is I felt that what my husband was saying was driven out of fear. Because we had been raised very differently. Both great families. Both wonderful families. But when it came to practical experiences, our lives had been very different. My husband had never worked out in the real world. He had worked in ministries his whole life. He had served summers at camps. While I was working real jobs, getting paychecks. Um, I was raised by Melvin Cordes, who taught me how to balance checkbooks, how to use credit. Um, I was the one that had all the practical knowledge of life when we met and got married. So... It just made no sense. I thought, he's just scared. He's scared of the big, bad world, and he doesn't want his wife out there working in it, and we need money. <laughs> I need experience. So all of this, we went back and forth, and he wouldn't budge. He wouldn't budge, and I was so upset, and I could take you to Liberty Baptist Church and show you the place behind a shed where I finally sat down, just me and the Lord, because ladies, this submission thing is not about you and him. That's what Satan's been telling you. It's about you and him. And so I sat there with the Lord, and I said, God, I'm the exception. <laughs> this situation is the exception. He's wrong. He doesn't know anything. I know more. I'm equipped. You've equipped me. You've guided me to this. And then I sat there, and this is where faith comes into play, and I cried. I cried hard, hot, sweaty, Vegas tears. And I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, this isn't fair. It's not right but I'm going to choose, as hard as this is, to believe you. And I'm going to see if you're really going to do what you said you would do. If you're really telling me the truth, God, I'm not going to trust him because he doesn't know anything. He knows a lot now, y'all, but when we got married, there was so much he did not know. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. She's right. <laughs> no. And um, I, I, said, I, still, I still have never had a real job. That's true <laughs> to this day. It's true. So I said, Lord, I'm going to do it. And uh, if Pastor Fred's in here, he's about to fall out of his seat because I made a budget. I even made a budget back then those days. And I said, okay, here's what we need. Um, I would have to make this much for us to live. See, the ladies, I, I talked it out. I brought that back to my husband. He said, yeah, if they don't offer you that much, turn them down. Well, lo and behold, I called them back. They wanted to offer me more than that. So we had enough to live. And uh, I'll, I'll shorten this up. I got I to gotta end this story. He's never going to let me do anything like this again because three-minute story turns into 15. But um, there's so many wonderful ways that God did bless as I followed him and I submitted to the leader in my home. 
And uh, even though it didn't make sense, I'm telling you, I got the best job. They didn't put me in records or business office. I got to be a secretary to the Dean of Women. I worked with four of the godliest women I've ever known who helped me grow spiritually. Every day I had the opportunity while chapel was going on. I was in the office by myself and they had a radio station playing. I got to listen to one of my favorite speakers teach and I would just take it in. Our schedules were exactly the same. We were able, we only had one car. I didn't think that part through. We only had one car. We were able to ride into work together every single morning and leave together every single day. Talk about a honeymoon year. God gave us that. Marriage is an adjustment, and God gave me all that time. We had friends who were working, both of them working different jobs all over, and they were stressed out because they were trying to, you know, who needs a car now? They were trying to see each other, and they didn't ever have time together. And they would have seen each other more if they hadn't gotten married and just kept dating in college. And God honored um, a simple girl who was scared, who said, this doesn't make sense, but who just tried in faith. That's what faith is, to actually say, God, you say it, so I'm just going to try to obey it. And he, I got to know more about God through that than anything else. So give God the opportunity. Follow him. Obey him. Give him the opportunity to show you how powerful and good he is. Amen. Amen. So how is it possible to walk, in, walk together in marital bliss? First of all, wife, follow his lead. Number two, husband, sacrifice your desires. Say that second one with me. Husband, sacrifice your desires. How many men do I have in the room, men? How many, how many husbands do I have in the room? Can I hear you? All right. Sacrifice your desires. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved also the church and gave himself for her. What does this mean? It means that Christ Jesus loved the church so much that Jesus Christ died for the church. Jesus died for the church. I'm going to ask, what did Jesus do? You say died for the church. What did Jesus do? Died for the church. Okay. He loved his bride so much he was willing to bleed out for his bride. Now, every dude in this room, if I asked them, are you willing to die for your wife? They'd be like, Pastor, I'm willing to die for my wife. I'd die for her. I'd die for our kids. Man, I would die for them. And let me, for you ladies, let me explain what's in his mind, okay? What's in his mind when he says, I'm willing to die for them, he pictures a long alleyway in Gotham City. <laughs> and a gang of thugs are walking toward his wife and children. This is what is in his mind. I know this is in his mind because it's, it's all my, our minds. And th they're walking toward, and he's, he knows he's going to die, but he's going to take out his knife and nunchucks, and he is going to give, he's going to fight till the death to save his family. That's what he means by die for your wife. Sir, let me help you. Uh, very unlikely that scenario ever, is ever going to happen. But you have to understand Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not only die for his bride, he lived for his bride. He lived 33 and a half years, sinless perfection, constantly sacrificing his desire for bread, constantly sacrificing his desire for sleep, constantly sacrificing his desires for himself so that he could save the bride. Amen. You're not gonna be finding yourself, likely, bro, in a alleyway fighting the joker. What you will be doing is you're finding yourself saying, I can either buy this new grill or I can get her the refrigerator she wants. 
I have too many dudes that are like, oh, shut, shut, <laughs> shut your mouth, shut it. <laughs> it's sacrificing your desires for her desires. What do you want? What can I do to make this home better for you? What can I do to make this city better for you? Where do you want to go to dinner? What can I do for you? I'm sacrificing what I want for you. I like watching House Hunters. I'm sorry, deal with it. <laughs> Anybody else watch House Hunters? I like to watch House Hunters and I love to watch it. Thank you, Eurus in the back. I didn't, really? Dude, you and me, very cool. <laughs> I could just see us full day Saturday, you and me sitting there, watch, drinking some Fresca and watching House Hunters. Anyway, it's <laughs> a weird picture. And I like watching House Hunters, and as I watch House Hunters, I'm just constantly surprised. I really am, I'm like shocked. They're, they're always arguing about, you know, which house, and I know that's part of the producers making there seem to be drama or conflict, but many times you'll see this guy and he'll be looking at his wife at the end of the show and he'll be like, I really want that house with the gazebo. I really feel strongly about that gazebo. I've always wanted a gazebo. <laughs> Did you see that gazebo? And I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, dude, just give your wife the house she, what are you doing? Like, brother, listen to me. What are you doing? Let her have what she wants in life. She has a responsibility to follow you the way the church follows Christ. And you're fighting over a gazebo or crown molding or what car you're going to get? Look at what the scripture actually says to this. Husbands, love your wife as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. What is then the, what, what is that Jesus is focused on? Jesus is not focused on getting what he wants from the bride. He's focused on taking the word of God and cleansing the bride. What, what is happening, by the way, the Bible says that you, the church, are the bride of Christ. Say, I'm the bride of Christ. Okay. As the bride of Christ, what God does, what Jesus does, is he cleanses the bride of Christ through the teaching of his word. You may not know it right now, but that's what's happening to you. It happens every Sunday for those who come every Sunday. You get cleansed by the word. You come in with a worldly view of the, of the way America thinks, the way Corinthians and Romans think, and you come in and the word of God cleanses your mind from that, and the sanctifying of the word of God takes place. That's what's happening now. The Bible says the way Christ does that with the church, husband, you're supposed to do that for your bride. It's your responsibility to help teach the word of God to your wife. You say, I thought that was your job. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, that's what I do a little, like I'm doing it, I'm trying. And the Bible specifically says, by the way, I'm glad we represented the scripture here according to the book of 1 Timothy, that the Bible tells us that uh, the elder women are to teach the younger women on the word of God exactly what we're talking about. And I thank God that we have a very young elder woman who taught the word of God to the ladies today, amen? That's what, that's what happened today. But it's not just us, it's your job, bro, to open the scripture and teach her the word of God and help her understand things. You say, but she knows more than I do about these things. I'm telling you, she is a student of the word of God and she has taught me many things from the word of God. And I'm a student of the word of God and it's my primary responsibility to help teach her things too. Sir, sir, do your job. You say, I can't teach what I don't know. Exactly, that's why every Sunday I tell you, study the word, study the word, know the word, know the word. By the way, you don't have to have it memorized to teach something. 
teach something. I don't know what it is. I do. I was going to say, I don't know why men don't do this. Listen, I love you. I'm here for you. Look, your insecurity in the scripture needs to stop, and you need to start growing confidence. You, look, you've already studied some scripture every Sunday with me. Teach those things. You go to small group, teach those things. Every time you read the Bible or hear a sermon on the radio, turn off talk radio for a while and hear a sermon, for goodness sake. And take the things that you've learned from God and say, hey, hon, can I tell you what I learned about God this week? Can you do that? Yes, you can. So do that, okay? Now, it goes on. Look, this is our responsibility, verse 27. It goes on to teach us. And he might present her, him, her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. He does this so that she can become what we, we, the bride, can become what we've always been called to be. You are there to help your wife become all that God created her to be by teaching her the word. So husbands ought love their own wives as their own bodies, for he, never, he loves his own wife, loves himself. Here the Bible says something really interesting, sir. You have a responsibility to love her the way you love your own body. Please don't tell me, well, I don't really love my body. <laughs> I have some insecurities about my body. That's not true, dude. I know you. I know. I, ladies, let me tell you what happens with every man, every man when they're alone in a, with a mirror. They look at themselves and they're like, still got it. And by the way, dude, you don't got it. It's gone. Like it left a long time. You don't. You don't got it. Like it's not on your head anymore and your muscles have turned into a gut and you don't have it, but we think we do. We look at the mirror like, you know, you know. She lucky, isn't she? Yes, she is. Yes, she is. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, love her the way you love yourself. Love her the way you love you. No man hurts himself. They love themselves, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but takes care of it, nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. And in doing so, sir, help, let me help you here. Your marriage will then become satisfying the way it was supposed to be satisfying. Your marriage is supposed to be satisfying to you. Like a farmer is supposed to be satisfied out of the garden that he plants. So you should be satisfied out of the garden that you have been working. If a farmer ever comes up to me and says, stupid garden, I don't hate my garden, my garden's no good, I'm not gonna blame the dirt, I'm gonna blame the farmer for being a bad gardener. Right. Sir, you come to me, I'm not satisfied with where my marriage is. Okay, what did you do to screw it up? You say, it seems like you're putting a lot of responsibility on me. In this analogy, you're the Jesus part. She's the church part, which makes you the spiritual leader, sir. I'm not saying she can't rebel and do her own thing. I'm saying that you have a responsibility to start by leading spiritually. Cultivate your garden. Spend time in your garden. Now, the scripture goes on to explain this even more, but I gotta tell you, you say, what does that practically mean? It means a husband sacrifices his desires. That means if, if, if Heather tells me, I want a minivan. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. 
If Heather says to me, if Heather says to me, I need all the closet space, and you can keep your clothes in boxes in the garage. Does that make you happy? Happy wife, happy life, done. It means if Heather comes to me and says, we have a new diet, all nuts and berries, nothing else, I'm gonna hide my Whopper. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna, as we she's not gonna know. She won't know. She won't know. There's some things we can't give up. Wife, follow his lead. Husband, sacrifice your desires. Number three, and we'll leave, we'll leave. Christian, Christian, see the big picture. See the big picture. You say, I just don't know if this is gonna make me happy. Okay, first of all, it will. You follow the Bible and, and things are good. I don't know what's gonna make me happy. Here's the point, it doesn't matter if it makes you happy. Because once again, somehow, somewhere, you've been told that life is about you. And it's not about you, it's about God. And again, I'm, I wanna qualify for you that are not Christians. You're like, that's weird, I've never heard that. I'm not talking to you as non-Christians. You've got your own worldview, you do your own thing, and good luck on your outcome. I'm talking to Christians. For you, Christian, hear my voice. Life is not about you. The moment you were saved by Christ, you were called into his family, his unit, his, his, his body. You're going forward. You are no longer in the family of Adam, but in the family of Christ, which means something. And what that means specifically for you is your marriage is supposed to be a reflection of the way God deals with people and the way the people follow God. So if you're happy about it, at the end of doing all these things, that's a nice, happy side effect. But it's not the point. The Christian marriage is supposed to be a picture to an unbelieving world of the way joy comes into a home when we do it God's way. And a picture to everyone that God loves us so much, he was willing to sacrifice himself for us. And that the church loves God so much, they're just willing to follow even into death. That's what it says in the rest of the verses. We'll conclude, just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, just as the church is one body, so a married couple is one body. This is a great mystery. I speak concerning the church in Christ. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself and see that the wife respects her husband. So, as I conclude, does this mean Heather and I never argue? Oh my goodness. We argue. Just like I sometimes argue with God. You know, I think I know this. I'm, see. Does this mean that we don't mess up? No, we do mess up. There are many, many times that I have not sacrificed for Heather the way I should have. Are there ever any times that Heather has not followed your lead? I can't, I can't go into that right now. You understand? <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> Pastor Josh, maybe, maybe what's happening here is this, and you're trying to qualify. Maybe you're just this rare case of like star-crossed lovers where true love happens and the world doesn't see, and you just got lucky. You get this perfect thing. Let me be very blunt with you. No, no, that is not what's happening here. This is not romantic saccharine that I'm shoving down your throat. 
This is two very imperfect people who God brought together who want what we want, but instead of what, what we want, we've decided, I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus, what do you want for me to be? She's a follower of Jesus. Jesus, what do you want me for me to be? And we have submitted ourselves to Christ, and as we've done that, we found a biblical way to do home. That's all we are. And we are no different than you. You can do exactly the same thing when you start making the right choices. You can. Now, lastly, how do I know, Pastor? How do I know? This is your homework assignment. This is it. You're a wife and you're like, how do I know? How do I know if I'm following his lead? Ask him. Like this week, go out for dinner, look across the table, say, hey, we both heard the sermon, or maybe he's not here. Hey, I heard a sermon this week. I'm supposed to follow your lead. Am I? And after he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I say, really, am I? Am I following your lead? You ask him and see what he says. You're a husband, you're like, I don't know. I wonder, pastor, do you think I'm sacrificing? I don't know, ask her. Like, go out to dinner, talk, communicate. Hey, you know the sermon. Have I been sacrificing my, my desires for you? Ask her. And then communicate. And then together... You know, over spaghetti, hold hands. <laughs> and pray and say, God, we're dedicating ourselves to do this the Jesus way again. Will you do it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth in it. My prayer is that you would help us, we that are Christians, to follow your truth in this way. And then be a light to the rest of the world in the way we're supposed to be. In Jesus' name we pray.